I did my recording, I did my interview, and it was it was good, whatever. Like it wasn't anything I would be like, oh my gosh, that's the best clip ever. But as soon as I was done, I got into this really interesting conversation with um, the musician I was interviewing. And when I left, I was like, why didn't I record that? Why didn't I keep the recorder on? Because it was way better than the interview that I actually took. And it made me so angry afterwards. This is High Tech High Unboxed. I'm Alec Patton, and that was the voice of Oscar, AKA DJ Dice. Oscar's in sixth grade, and he DJs on a local New Orleans radio station as part of an after-school program called Be Loud Studios. Be Loud started as a program at New Orleans' Bricolage Academy, founded by two of the teachers at the academy, Alex Owens and Diana Turner. Oscar started DJing when he was a student there in second grade. At that point, they didn't have their radio show yet, so they were making podcasts. In 2019, Be Loud Studios became its own thing, and in fall 2020, they got onto the airwaves. If you're in New Orleans, you can hear the show by tuning your radio to WHIV at 102.3 FM on Saturday mornings at 9 AM. The rest of us can stream the show at whivfm.org and listen to old episodes on SoundCloud. There's a link in the show notes. I sat down with Oscar, with his fellow DJ Ella, AKA DJ Rose, and with Be Loud co-founder Alex Owens to listen to some of their favorite clips. We'll start with Oscar's first clip. Here's what he had to say about it by way of introduction. Yeah, so this was when it was like a deep pandemic here and um, everybody was locked down and I was on a virtual program over Zoom with Be Loud and I recorded it about how the pandemic had impacted me and what I was learning uh, from it. So uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much what it's about. Now here's DJ Dice's clip about quarantining in the coronavirus pandemic. Hey, this is DJ Dice. One thing that I learned during the coronavirus pandemic is not to take the little things in life for granted, such as hanging out with grandparents or going to the movies. During the lockdown, a lot of things that used to be normal are not doable anymore because of the restrictions. For example, I used to go to the park or my friends' houses all of the time, and when the pandemic came along, I couldn't see my friends anymore, and it made me realize how valuable it is to do these things, and how you can be impacted when you can't do them anymore. Anyway, I think that the biggest thing that I have learned during the quarantine is how important it is not to take the little things for granted. Thank you for listening, and remember to be loud! You know, I, I want to say something about this COVID piece. This is Alex Owens, Beloud co-founder. Oscar's not doing our virtual this year, so he picked things from last year because that's what he had most access to. So he's done a lot in the last year. He's interviewed Tank and the Bang as a major band. He just interviewed a bunch of people with Preservation Hall. Like he's done some really cool stuff, but he picked these two pieces. And at first I was like, I don't know why Oscar would pick these pieces, but listening to them, they're really personal. And at that time, and I'm talking to you now, Oscar, it's like at that time I remember like, oh, you went from just a kid doing some radio stuff to like actually being a DJ. You know what I mean? Like your COVID piece was the first time I was like, whoa, Oscar's really good at this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember feeling that at that moment? 
I do. I, I, I feel like it was a lot of things were really hard then. And like that the piece is mostly about the little things in life and how it's important to appreciate them. And back then I was actually, I, I was really feeling that because I hadn't like done much. I was mostly sitting around the house. All of my school was on the computer and it, it was really, I, I just didn't get to do much and it was, it was not fun. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that piece is mostly about that. Yeah, it definitely came out and, and it's like perfect Oscar, right? It, things are hard, but you're trying to be optimistic. But something for you to know too, uh, Alec, is just like we, it's sort of unhigh tech high what we do, right? Like we don't have long projects, right? It's every week the kids write and record something new. You know, we call it like the, it's not Grey's Anatomy, it's Law and Order, right? It's like a new challenge every week. So the pieces are really short and, you know, sometimes they're a little underdeveloped. Sometimes there could be more. Sometimes there's like fruit left on the tree. But what's cool with, with these two DJs, and this is when I first heard it, is it's just like their identity. They're really working it out, right? Their voice, their script writing. And it's just, uh, again, both of them are just good examples of like kids who have kind of found this tone uh, of what they want to say every week. Uh, and again, this was the first time, Oscar, where I was like, whoa, cool. This is what DJ Dice sounds like. This is, this is cool. Our second clip is from Ella, a.k.a. DJ Rose, and it comes from New Orleans' musical landmark, Preservation Hall. Here's how she remembers what the space is like. It's an old, really, really old place that, uh, I don't want to say this, but back in the days, they used to, black and white people wanted to come together to play music, and so they found a safe space uh, to play music and just celebrate and be happy. Yeah, now it's it's you know one of the oldest and most popular venues in the city. You know, you, you walk in and you feel like, or Ella, what does it feel like when you walk in? Honestly, as soon as I walked in, it looked really old. <laughs> the benches on the walls, and even when my mom walked in, she was very very impressed um, by everything that was still there. I don't think they had the same instruments, but it was old instruments. I just want to build onto Ella. When I first walked in, it seemed like dimly lit. It it seemed very old, but as soon as the musicians started playing, they they did like a little um, performance for us. As soon as the musicians started playing, the atmosphere totally changed. Like it was just really, um, it had tons of character as soon as the music started. Now here's DJ Rose's interview with musician Greg Stafford at Preservation Hall. Hey, it's DJ Rose, and today I am interviewing Mr. Stafford. So, why did you choose to play the trumpet? Actually, I didn't choose to play the trumpet. Uh, My band instructor suggested that I, well, he didn't suggest, he mandated that I play the trumpet. What actually happened, I started school late when I was in my sophomore year of high school, and, um, so by the time I was able to get into school, the elective that I had chose was industrial arts. And so that class was closed out because we had such a highly populated school. And so the principal said to me, said, um, uh, young man, I'm sorry, you uh, industrial arts class is closed out. So you have to select one of three other subjects, vocal music, 
home economics and instrumental music. It just so happened the band instructor was in the office at the time he was telling me this. And so I said to the principal, I said, oh, well, I have to go home and ask my mother if I can, um, which one I should choose. And so as I was walking out the door, the band instructor came behind me and tapped me on the shoulder. He says, take instrumental music. I'm the band instructor. So I said to him, I says, well, I don't have an instrument. He says, don't worry about that. I'll, I'll provide you with one. I said, well, I still I have to go home and ask my mother. So my mother was reluctant to sign in the consent form. And after three days, she finally decided to sign it. And then I um, brought it back to school. And I actually wanted to play the trombone, uh, either the tenor saxophone. In fact, tenor saxophone was my first choice. And so I stated to the band instructor that I wanted to play tenor saxophone. He said, oh, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. I need trumpet players in my band. All my senior uh, trumpet players are graduating, so I'm trying to recruit trumpet players. I'm going to put you on trumpet. So that's how that happened. And um, actually, I was only going to take that instrumental music class for that one semester and try to get back into the industrial arts class. But I kind of fell in love with it, and so here I am today, still playing the trumpet. How long have you been playing your instrument? Oh, well, if you add it up, if, let me see, since 1960, am I calculating right? I said 68, okay, 78, 88, 98, 2008, 2018, so 53 years, 53 years I've been playing trumpet, and I, started um, playing professionally um, maybe a year and a half after I started playing the trumpet. So I've been playing professionally for 51 and a half years. Do you and your band have a band name? If so, what is it? Well, I, have, I am a leader of my own band. I have two bands that I lead. One is called the Greg Stafford's Jazz Hounds and one is also called the Greg Stafford's Young Tuxedo brass band and in fact I inherited the, the both of those bands and the Young Tuxedo brass band is a very historical band uh, it's been around since uh, way back in the early 1900s in fact Louis Armstrong was a member of the Tuxedo brass band and before he departed to go to Chicago to play with King Oliver his last performance in the city of New Orleans was, was a jazz funeral where he played with the tuxedo brass band and so throughout the years as generations change band leaders die out and they pass the band on to the next individual and I'm fortunate enough to have been the person that was selected by the last band leader before he met his demise to be the leader of the tuxedo brass band and then also the same situation with the um, jazz hounds there's a great banjo is by the name of Danny Balker. I was his trumpet player in his band and when he took ill he um, handed the band over to me before he passed away. So I pretty much inherited those two groups. Greg Stafford's Young Tuxedo Brass Band, Greg Stafford's uh, Jazz Hounds. And then I also play around the city with different other groups and I work here at Preservation Hall as well. So very active. 
Thank you so much, Mr. Stafford, and listen to this interview and also check out Preservation Hall. Alex, what are your thoughts on this one? I was really proud of these two and, and all the DJs, right? You have a group of sixth graders who there was no prep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I basically, we had, we had gone roller skating the weekend before, if y'all remember that. And I was just like, show up. And there was a performance. And I was like, all right, you have 10 minutes to come up with three questions. I was so impressed. Like everyone was nervous. Kids were nervous. The musicians were nervous. And I just pushed them into a weird old back room. And, you know, I, I have pictures of these two just rocking it out, talking to these like legend musicians in their 70s and 80s and being not just like really professional and doing sound checks and making sure their mics held right, but also just being like really intent on listening, um, trying to to connect with what that person was saying. It, I just was blown away by these two just because it was like, whoa, they're really doing it, <laughs> you know, uh, with very poor teaching structure uh, to support them. And one more point I want to um, just quickly say, I have a lot of regret about that trip because I did my recording, I did my interview, and it was it was good, whatever, like, it wasn't anything I would be like, oh my gosh, that's the best clip ever, but as soon as I was done, I got into this really interesting conversation with um, the musician I was interviewing. And when I left, I was like, why didn't I record that? Why didn't I keep the recorder on? Because it was way better than the interview that I actually took. And it just like made me so angry afterwards. What was it about that conversation? What did the musician say? We were talking about the places he had been. We started talking about music in general. Because I play uh, the cello myself, and we we connected in many ways. But it, it was just a really, like, magical, almost, conversation. And it, like, made me just so, like, enraged that I hadn't captured that. Because it was, like, incredible. Yeah, it's just a big, like, lesson that I learned from that is, like always keep the recorder on you might like catch something afterwards that's just really really interesting and um like captivating you know yeah i I tell that story i've been telling that story oscar because i see it as such a win right it's just like you learned a real lesson in storytelling and recording and actually you and ella you remember this too uh we had an npr reporter with us two weeks earlier kind of talking about interviewing and we were doing some mock interviews and Ella did an amazing interview. Remember Rosie Ella. And that was Rosie's number one piece of advice was like, always be rolling right from the moment you come in to the moment you leave. Cause you never know what you're going to get. And I was like at preservation hall, like taking kids and, and I was like, all right, Oscar, how, how you do, how you doing? How, how, and you just look so disappointed. You were like, always be rolling. Right. And it's just like, now you're always going to remember that. Right. So it was cool. It was a cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Oscar, what's your second clip? So my second clip, um, I did a recording about my spot in the city or like the place that I really like hanging out at. So the, the place I chose was a bookstore and it was from my childhood, like since I was like, I guess I would have been three or so, I, I, I was going to this bookstore. It just 
it's kind of shaped how I view like stories and books up to this day. So I feel like it has a lot of personality in it for that reason. Now here's DJ Dice's clip about his spot in the city. Hey, this is DJ Dice. One place in New Orleans that I love is Blue Cypress Books. It is a small bookstore in the neighborhood that I used to live in with lots of character. It has a great variety of books for all ages. Also, there are really good deals on the books there. Every day, when I was younger, I used to walk down the street and stop at the coffee shop, Zots. Then we would go to Blue Cypress Books and sit in there for hours reading. And sometimes, we wouldn't buy anything at all. It has been with me for a long time, and I really suggest that you go there and look at their selection of books. Thanks for listening, and remember to stay loud. Alex, what's on your mind listening to this one? We took a lot of these pieces and we sent them to the local businesses that we knew were being affected during COVID. Um, I don't think we heard back from from this bookstore, uh, but you know, there's a pizza store uh, and then this other food truck that does these waffle trucks. Um, you know, she she sets up little waffle stations. And uh, this this other DJ DJ uh, Big Time did this whole thing about how he loves this waffle shop. And then six months later, our first experience out in the field was she came and we made waffles together uh, and Ella and Oscar were there. Uh, so it was like really cool, right? It's like the power of the radio is the power of stories, right? Of just being able to like connect to um, not just things like Preservation Hall, but also like things like Crazy Waffles, which is just like a local black owned, like amazing small food truck in the city that does awesome work. So. Um, yeah, it was just cool to see the potential of that. Really eye-opening for me. That um, piece that DJ Big Time did was probably one of my favorites um, of the whole uh, pandemic that I that I heard. I I must have listened to that like five times. Yeah, you always shout out. You always shout out Big Time for it. I love that. We might have to include that one too. <laughs> yeah, I'll pull it up. It was really, really nice. Now here's DJ Big Time's clip about Crazy Waffle. And just to clarify, at the time that he made this, he was calling himself DJ Loud. Yo, this is Deuce, aka DJ Loud. Some of my favorite local spots in the Big Easy are Crazy Waffle. Crazy Waffle is basically a waffle place with all types of toppings and other things on it kind of like whatever you want but certain days they have certain things on like the specific menu what makes crazy waffle crazy waffle is all of the different types of waffles they have like once they had a cornbread waffle with jalapenos and that was super delicious i kind of had my doubts about it but it wasn't bad it had it was tasted like cornbread a little bit but it also tastes like a waffle then it has like a kick of spice in it. And then you guys like get greens on it and other types of southern sides. So basically it's just kind of soul food with a waffle. Remember to stay loud, stay blessed, and stay safe. Peace. DJ Rose, 
Do you want to shout out another clip of yours? I have like two to shout out. Yeah. Okay, so um, my first one would be with uh, Jerome Morgan, who has, I forgot how many years, but was incarcerated at a young age. And it was a great story. He was like really good. I mean, he was like a really good person. I mean, not was, I'm sorry. <laughs> he is a really great person. And then his, everything that he's done, like with the Innocence Project too, and everything that the Innocence Project has done was amazing. And he had great stories and great advice for us, me and DJ DJ. Now here's DJ Rose and DJ DJ's interview with Jerome Morgan. This is the Be Loud. Last week, Be Loud interviewed entrepreneur, educator, and social justice activist Jerome Morgan. After spending 25 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit, Mr. Morgan was freed in 2017. Since then, he's dedicated his life to helping others, most recently leading Nagumbo Cafe and Sanctuary, a cafe and healing space created by exonerees, artists, and activists and led by New Orleans youth. Listen up to this interview, and thank you, Mr. Morgan, for joining us on the Be Loud Hot Seat. What was prison like? Prison is slavery. You know, it is a surefire way to know how uh, our ancestors felt uh, when they were uh, more in physical bondage than we are now. That makes me feel really really sad if you were in prison in new orleans why would you decide to stay here oh that's a good question uh well you know i i, I decided to stay because i didn't want to abandon uh my community you know uh the area that i identify with and uh, the area that i was victimized by but at the same time doing that victim is victimization uh i learned a lot about the solutions that we need and so uh you know when i talk to the youth I always encourage them to learn to lead and not learn to leave and so i wanted to practice what i preach um to be honest if it was me i my my mom always says how she really doesn't like the way the new orleans uh, system is set up in like the jail system I wouldn't really like stay I mean I love my family and all that but the New Orleans system and court system is just all messed up in whole I would like to respond to that by saying um, you know after I was free I was removed uh, from uh, prison um, I was faced with the question of you know, how freedom fe- seems, seems to me or what it means to me. After thinking long and hard about it, I realized that it didn't feel any different uh, because a lot of the laws were still the same. With that being said, then, you know, I would only be free when everybody else is free. 
And so I say that to your uh, comment to say that you would leave, but you would leave to the same problems. Uh, uh, the problem is not, it's ground zero here, but the problem is in this country. Uh, we have the highest incarceration rate in the world, with the top as far as uh, having these failing systems that you know draw people into the uh, legal criminal system. So I, I'm, I say that to you because I don't want you to feel that if you leave New Orleans, then you're going to leave the issues that New Orleans suffer from. But you're going to be in, a, in an area where you don't have any roots. And when you face these same issues, uh, you know, you have less support because you don't have a community with you. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, end up lonely. Uh, in that sense. Uh, even if you are successful, you still don't have your family and you still feel at a loss. How did you feel when you got out of prison? Oh man, I, 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 you know, that was my point in which uh, I knew that, you know, um, that, you know, all the things uh, that people can't touch, like, you know, uh, faith, uh, prayer, uh, you know, just positive vibes does work, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, I just felt successful in that sense that, uh, you know, the way I went about, uh, you know, achieving uh, my freedom uh, really works, you know, because, you know, I did, I depended on the things that money came by. And it was, it was such a uh, exhilarating feeling to be successful, uh, you know, taking that path. I'm speechless. Can I say it again? <laughs> In your whole entire life, how do you think your life has changed? I, when I t talk about prison and people say, well, damn, pr did prison make you, change you? I say, well, prison didn't make me. Uh, prison didn't change me, you know? And that was the victory for me. Uh, but I, of course I grew. You know, I, you know, every day you're not going to be the same person because you learn something new. So when you learn something new, a person that didn't know dies. So you change, but you change in an in, in a onward and upward way instead of regressing and going backwards and not knowing things or, uh, uh, you know, doing things different from what you knew. You can find yourself going backwards. But the object is to, you know, to not change, but to grow, uh, you know, not change that good part of you, that, that, that individual part of you that is purposed to be in this world, to make everything better, uh, you know, and growing from those bad things that make you inconsiderate of other people and, and other life forms. Didn't make me, but it didn't change me. That was beautiful. What are you doing now to help people who are coming out of prison? Oh, well, um, with the cafe and sanctuary, it's, you know, an area where <clears throat> we could kind of bridge the gap uh, between our formerly incarcerated and the youth that are suffering from those members being expelled from their homes. And so I want to 
you know, I wanted to create an opportunity where the youth can get the wisdom from the people that haven't been in their uh, communities that's been missing. And also for the youth to uh, teach them about today's society, you know, and it'll bridge the gap that's needed because uh, people coming home from prison, uh, from other adults are always treated like, you know, they are inadequate or they are children. But on the flip side of that, you know, uh, children, you know, need these individuals uh, to be positive figures, to encourage them past whatever struggles they're going through since they've already, you know, overcame uh, a struggle by being in prison. I want to ask you, uh, what's the one thing that you respect regardless of anything, you know? Uh, My parents. Mm-hmm. My parents, because they keep a roof over my head and they feed me and they give me an education. Yeah, well, uh, I, I I deeply, deeply appreciate the honor and privilege to be here, uh, to be interviewed by you guys who be called on the radio show and uh, for you to be interested in knowing who I am and what I represent. Uh, it's all about you guys and, and you rock, you know, and I hope to be uh, invited on the show again. Have a good day. Make sure to be brave, be strong. No matter what happens, people will always be there for you. When the day keeps growing up and the big game's growing up. This is the Be Loud Alex, you want to add anything about that? Yeah, man, I got so much. First of all, uh, Jerome had a baby that day. I don't know if you, Ella, I think we've talked about that, and, and took the Zoom call from the hospital, basically. So, like, he looked so tired, and there was all this background noise. I was like, oh, my gosh. And, it was, and we started this in the middle of COVID. Uh, is like, why can't kids be interviewing people over Zoom, right? Let's just record the call and then chop it up. And so we started something called The Hot Seat. Oscar actually did the, not, not maybe not the first one, uh, but he did one of my favorite ones with Tank and the Bangas. Um, it's a really a Grammy-nominated band. And so we do one every month now. And Ella uh, is really awesome on them and uh, just interviewing people over Zoom. And, and Jerome Morgan uh, was powerful, man. He just went right into his story of 23 years incarcerated and coming out. Uh, and it was sort of like, whoa, whew, like deep. All right, and then you had one more, right? Yeah, another one was um, we were doing an interview. I mean, not an interview, a segment about back to school. And I was talking about how it was with COVID and everything and teachers not reminding students to keep their mask up and students are not old enough or just choose not to get the vaccine. It was honestly a long time ago, but now students are – they're basically being forced to get the vaccine, so. Now here's DJ Rose's clip about going back to school. Hey, this is DJ Rose, and today I will be talking about how I feel on in-person school. First, I want to say that teachers should push students to keep their mask on and wear it correctly. I mean, it's still COVID and students either choose not to get the vaccine or are too young. My second reason is that after Hurricane Ida, we went on virtual for a little while and then had three days of school and then just went back on fall break for two weeks. 
I mean, it actually might have not been two weeks, but it felt like it. We are just not getting enough education. Thank you for listening to my thoughts and complaints about in-person school, and always stay tuned to Be Loud Radio. Alex, what are your thoughts hearing that? Yeah, like what I said with Ella, I, I think that was the first time Ella, because you weren't with me during the summer. I heard some stuff. I knew you were good, but that was one of the first things I was like, oh, DJ Rose is like legit. I think I started calling you BBC around then. I like to call her BBC or NPR. You know, she's just like really serious and she takes it seriously and, and she produces good stuff. And so this was one of the first times I was like, oh man, she is, this is legit. This is cool. That's cool. A lot of the people who listen to our show are teachers, and I know they're going to be thinking, okay, how can I do this with my students? We actually started a teacher fellowship in the city just because we recognize that there's so many teachers that want to do storytelling. And just from my experience, there's not a lot of support. You're swimming on stuff on Google. You're trying to find it. And so we call it Pass the Mic, and we give teachers $500 worth of gear. We give them coaching. I was on three coaching calls today. Uh, I go to their school. I try to get them set up. But we also give them $1,000 worth of uh, a personal stipend, just recognizing that like you don't get paid in above and beyond specifically in New Orleans charter schools uh, to take on these projects. So I think that's first. The advice I give everyone though, and this is where we started, was just like, you have to start small. I think when people, when teachers try to do a podcasting project, they think about the things we listen to. These 45 minute grand stories, multi stories that have all these sounds and they have all this weaving of interviews. And it's like, yeah, that's the ideal. And that, that's what we want to push kids to. But ultimately, like to me, is if Oscar can make, if Ella can make something that sounds really good in 45 seconds, then that's just the bridge to making more long form stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's like the pressure I put on them is just like, get this practice, find your voice. And I think it's it's really, really important to think about it in, in small ways. Um, so that's the first tip I always give teachers. And then the second is, is like, you're already doing the majority of radio work, right? The writing, the reflection, like radio and podcasting is just another way of pressing print, right? Instead of updating, putting it on Seesaw, instead of printing it out, instead of putting it on the wall, wall, all you're doing is just getting kids to press record. And like, that's the thing about now, especially because of COVID, there's thousands of ways to do it, right? Whether it's on Zoom, whether it's on a Seesaw, whether it's setting up a Google Voice, like that was the first thing we did in the middle of COVID. Like two weeks after COVID hit, we set up a Google Voice number and we just encouraged kids to call in and we called it the community hotline. It was just like, how are you feeling right now? And we would get like 20, 25 kids who called every week. And so there's millions of ways for you to collect voices, Right. And I think it's just keeping really simple prompts that allow for students to be authentically themselves, uh, taking those prompts, then, then kind of collecting them and, and putting them together. That takes a little work on the teacher's part. But then it's like about finding audience. And that's something that we're still trying to get a lot better at is just like, how do we make sure that like Dice and Rose aren't just talking, but they're being listened to? So the, the radio show, 102.3 FM, we have a Saturday morning radio show that we hear every morning, every week. We're redoing our website, y'all, right? We're just trying to like build that audience out because we just know that especially big picture kids just aren't listened to enough. Yeah. And so taking, say, for example, just as an example, the Jerome interview. So was that set up by the adults initially? Yeah. So you found you found a kind of person who were like, this would be a good person to interview. Yeah, yeah. Me, me and him were in a fellowship together. And I was just like, you have an amazing story. Right? And we, it's, it wasn't themed or anything, you know. And, and I would say 95% of the stuff 
right now is me setting up experiences. But again, it's like, we're just getting started. And where are we moving to, to when Dice or Rose have done this for a couple of years, and then they start seeking these stories and they start seeking the interviews out. And that that's kind of the big plan. But for example, uh, we're going to be interviewing some people at the zoo uh, virtually in a couple of weeks. And that just came from me last week asking kids like, what are you curious about? And Ella was actually part of this group. There was a, a kid who's been rocking with us for a while. And she was just like, she want to learn more about like animals behind the scenes. Cool. And I was like, cool. So I just called the zoo. And I was like, would anyone be willing to talk? And they're like, well, you're not allowed at the zoo right now behind the scenes. And I was like, well, jump on a Zoom call. And so COVID has made things a lot harder, especially in education. But there are some things like me getting a group of fourth graders on a Zoom call before COVID would have been impossible, right? But now it, it's common practice. So DJ Rose, how much time did you have between finding out you're interviewing Jerome and doing the interview? Well, since I do virtual, it's on Tuesdays usually. So they said, we're going to do an interview with Jerome Morgan on Thursday if you want to come. And so it was only me and DJ DJ who showed up. And honestly, I wasn't really ready. I just wanted to come because I was interested. But after we went over questions and after all of preparing and stuff, I was honestly ready. So you do the interview and what happens next? Who who edits that tape? What ha- well, what happens after the, after the interview? After the interview, I just leave the call. But I'm pretty sure Mr. Alex he usually records the uh, Zoom calls and then he edits them. And Alex, what what do you use to do that? What what software? Let's get into it. What software? Yeah, cool. So uh, the stuff that um, these like little scripts uh, that Oscar was talking about that Ella talked about the back to school. Here's another tip is like once teachers get going, I've also found, and I've worked with a few teachers in New Orleans, that the more you front load the editing, so if you're doing a collection of pieces and the more that the kids can add their own music and clip and make sure it's all right, the less work you have to do to compile, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, they do everything in soundtrack virtually. So we have a virtual program. It actually just started back up. Um, Dice was in it last year. Uh, it's, It's definitely an imperfect program, but the best thing about it is like, kids can set up their own recording studios at home and they use Soundtrap, which is a really cool tool. It's free. There's premium education accounts Uh, and kids can, it's like editing training wheels, right? You can put music under it. You can do multi-tracks, you can trim, you can cut all this stuff. So when you listen to Dice's pieces, that's a hundred percent him. And then what I do with those is I basically take Dice and I take Ella's and I take the five best out of the 15 and I'll put them together for our four minute radio segment. Right. Got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. For the interviews, like at Preservation Hall, these guys in person, they've they're starting to learn now how to edit their interviews. So they'll press record and have it, and then they've learned to where to split the sections, right? And then how to put music in and out. Cool. Um. So that's been really cool, and I'm really excited about them owning it. They use GarageBand for that, just because we bought a bunch of iPads last year. Sure. The virtual interviews are a little tricky. Uh, those have been in, they've been edited in post by me or uh, we have some someone that works for us um, now. Um, but last year we had high school interns. We had two of them, and they all virtual. I've never met this guy. I don't know if you remember him, Dice. His name was Emery. Yeah, I remember him. He was just an amazing kid who loved editing audio. So I would send him stuff, and he would cut down, you know, a sixty or a thirty minute conversation into the best 10 minutes. And then I would kind of fiddle from there. Um, 
we are going to start a high school internship next year with the local school, uh, giving five kids a stipend to help us produce and edit these shows every week. Cool. Okay. Final question. DJ Dice, DJ Rose, where do those names come from? So I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. And just in general, I really love playing board games and really any game. So I figure one of the key components in like any of that is DJ Dice. Uh, or I mean, is Dice. Are, well, okay, Dice are really important in most games. And also... I'm pretty sure DJ Dice just sounds pretty cool, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it sounds cool. So uh, that is where uh, that name came from. And DJ Rose? Well, mine came from my great-grandmother. Her name is Rose, so I just call her Grandma Rose. Well, she passed, but we were really close. And then also, after I created my DJ name, we got our dog. And now her name is Bella Rose. So I guess it's dedicated to both of them. Cool. Okay. Thank you all so much. I think that uh, I'll keep rolling just in case anything happens. And uh, I'll, I'll learn here like we all have. Hey, let, let's take some of our own medicine. Let, y'all want to do a last word? It's been a while for you, Dice, but Ella, we always kind of end on a, we make guests do a little last word. So do you want to give a last word to this? Uh, sure. Um, a tip for recording would be, oh, I guess never give up because you can give up when things are hard and you don't understand and it's confusing, but just never give up. Yes, that's true with recording and true in life. Yes. So, uh, first of all, thank you so much. Um, also, I, a little tip, I guess, um, Whenever you're talking to someone, interviewing or whatever, I, a while ago, I recorded something and I was listening to it recently uh, when I was trying to find some of my favorite pieces and it was like dull and monotonous and I was just like, no way I am putting this um, in my top three uh, segments. This is not good at all. But um, I think the main reason for that was because it was it was just dull. Um, so yeah, give pieces uh, flavor. Um, when you're talking in general, I guess just like flavor and like spicing it up with like yeah emotion, putting emotion into your words. Um, and yeah, that I guess I, I yeah, last word. Great, thank you all so much. Thanks for taking the time. This has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate it. And and like while I'm on this, I want to say this on tape too. Like Ella and Oscar, you are the reason Be Loud exists. You are like amazing kids who have grown so much like in and out of this program. And I'm just really grateful. If I don't say that enough, I do. Like uh, I love doing this work and it's because I get to work with you too. Uh, so you're awesome. Uh, even if you're not with Be Loud, like keep doing storytelling. Keep recording. Keep being curious. Keep putting a mic in front of things uh, because y'all y'all are really gifted and, and I'm really excited to see where it takes you. High Tech High Unboxed is hosted and edited by me, Alec Patton. Our theme music is by Brother Herschel. Huge thanks to Ella, Oscar, and Alex for taking the time to share their clips with us. 
Check the show notes to find everything you need to listen to more from the Be Loud DJs, including a link directly to that interview with Tank and the Bangles. Thanks for listening.